The Oscars don't respect a lot of things that aren't typical Oscar canon of historical film, film about a topical subject, or stuff where actors get to yell a lot. But you know what isn't really a film that falls into the Oscar category? Yet it was nominated for Best Picture? Yes. Phantom Thread. Hello, this is Fresh Films. We're a podcast devoted to new films that just came out in Evanston. I'm Marco Carlano. I'm Elliot Kronzberg. And I'm Marcus Scaliano. Today we're talking about the newest Paul Thomas Anderson film and Best Picture nominee, Phantom Thread. Paul Thomas Anderson is director of some modern cinematic classics, Boogie Nights, Magnolia, There Will Be Blood, Punch Drunk Love. So, you know, one of the most acclaimed filmographies in modern cinema history. And this film is also famous for it supposedly being the last performance from Daniel Day-Lewis. The three-time Academy Award-winning actor, best known for Lincoln, There Will Be Blood, and My Left Foot, all three of which he won the Oscar for. It also stars Vicky Crypt. She's a Luxembourgish actress who's only been in a couple of English-language films. She was in Hannah from 2011, and the third sort of main character is Daniel Day-Lewis's sister, played by Leslie Manville. You know Leslie Manville. Everybody knows Leslie Manville. We don't have to mention what film she's been in. So the basic plot of this is that Daniel Day-Lewis is Reynolds Woodcock, a famous dressmaker who lives with his sister, and he's this neurotic, obsessive dressmaker who goes through lovers who can't handle his mood swings. But one day he goes out on vacation and he finds this waitress, played by Vicky Kreps, and they fall in in love and they form this very weird relationship that defies a lot of the expectations a lot of the norms of the troubled genius falls in love story and it's definitely a head trip from start to finish it's very comparable to mother in themes but it's a little bit more subversive i think than mother i think it's a lot less obvious than mother there's a similar relationship that permeates the film but it's less of a cut and dry oh he's the creative master and she's his muse it's more of this odd exploration of the power dynamic between this famed dressmaker and this woman he picks up at a country diner yeah one of the first things I want to talk about is what's going to get a lot of attention the acting as previously said this is Daniel Day Lewis's supposed last role he's a infamous method actor. He actually apparently made dresses for a while to get into character. He plays this troubled genius character, but you soon realize his portrayal has a lot more instances of him being sort of an impetuous man-child and this immature neediness that is a lot more subversive than how he would usually portray these sorts of tormented geniuses. And he's anchored by his sister, played by Leslie Manville, who has this sort of steely woman in charge sense you get the impression that there's a lot more power going to the women in his life than you would get at first and then Vicky Krebs walks in she at first seems very vulnerable ignorant innocent in a sense but she reveals layers of sort of sadism of impetuousness of determination that flip the story on its head and I actually think Vicky Krebs is a standout 
in the film, which is pretty impressive when you're acting against Daniel Day-Lewis. I think it's a bit of an injustice that she didn't get Best Supporting Actress nomination for her role. Well, I, f- I feel like maybe it's because she was a lead. She felt like way more of a lead than a supporting actress. Leslie Manville was nominated for Best Supporting Actress. If you compare how much they're actually in the film, you'd say like, oh, of course Vicky is a lead actress, but that category was so stacked this year. I don't know. It, it kind of makes sense. She should have gotten nominated in supporting if they would have considered that. I don't know. I really think she did a great job. Crepes really brings a sort of oddly maternal thing than when it's introduced with Daniel Day-Lewis' performance, it just, there's not a lot of clicking going on, but then as it starts to grow and develop and they start making decisions that influence their relationship, you start to see a thing sort of take hold and form, and as that goes farther and farther down the line, leading up to the very end, which really brings it to a bear, you get sort of the sense of why this dynamic starts to work and why what happens at the end actually does happen. Why don't we talk about some stuff we can not spoil? What about music? The music is excellent. It's beautiful. It's very aristocratic. lends a lot of senses of class to this film that you wouldn't usually get. I think Johnny Greenwood is his name? Johnny Greenwood of Radiohead. That's right. Paul Thomas Anderson, when asking Johnny Greenwood to compose the score, said that he wanted some big-ass strings, which, as we all know, is American for orchestral. That's not my joke. That's Johnny Greenwood's joke. But stylistically, it's something that you would expect from a period piece, but its execution is just so beautiful and unique. It kind of subverts a lot of period piece orchestral music in that there's not this repetitive sense of riffing on the classics. There's not a bigness to it. It feels sort of small and minimalistic and repetitive, but also has that regalness to it. Johnny Greenwood has worked with Paul Thomas Anderson a lot in the past, most famously in There Will Be Blood, a film that owes a lot to its music, and he brings another great soundtrack to the fold in this film. I think that the music works well in tandem with the cinematography. This is the first time that Paul Thomas Anderson has shot one of his own films. Really? Yeah. Looks great. It really does look great, but it's not grand. There are a lot of shots of Reynolds' car just driving, and you can tell it's like a fancy GoPro, but it's executed really well. It's such a confined little cramped space. Exactly. And it sort of lends itself to these kind of feelings of unease and just feeling trapped by the whole thing, which really... It gives a sense of discomfort to the whole film, and it works very potently. Yes, and this is a pretty uh, subversive element for Paul Thomas Anderson. Paul Thomas Anderson's famous for big films. Like, you have Boogie Nights, which has a famous one-take. You have Magnolia, which is like just like crazy cinematography, like random bursts of singing. But you gotta remember that the two that you named, Marco, were early Anderson. This is late Anderson. This is the Paul Thomas Anderson who did Inherent Vice and The Master. It's kind of almost a reflection on these films that are usually really grand and big. Even There Will Be Blood. It's not a very fun western. Also, I sort of go into Paul Thomas Anderson movies expecting something that will divert my expectations, but one thing I didn't really expect this movie, it's fucking funny. It is really funny. It's really funny. I was talking about this last night. I was like, oh yeah, it's like a dark comedy erotic thriller that's not very erotic. It cuts right before it's supposed to get erotic. Again, it uses that sense of discomfort, yeah. and it just, like, slides in these little one-liners with Cyril and Reynolds, and they just they cut to the bone, and you're just laughing your ass off. 
Yes, it's really funny, actually. And you have one-liners, you have absurdism as well with the scenarios that play out. There's like this scene between Daniel Day-Lewis and Vicky Krebs about asparagus that just is both absurdly funny and also dramatic in a display of both of their talents in this perfect scene. So it masterfully controls tone so that it can be a creepy, absurd, and hilarious, too. I think this absurdity draws a lot from the kind of characters we have. We have this almost ingenue discovered in the middle of nowhere and like a man-child and his really controlling sister, none of whom seem to be very good at interpersonal relationships. (laughs) Cyril and Reynolds, Leslie Manville and Daniel Day-Lewis seem to be really good with the customers, but they're not really nice people. They pretend to be nice but neither of them have been married. There's almost the insinuation that, like, they're not really interested in other people. To me, what that really felt like was sort of, like, this idea of this facade of politeness and elegance sort of spackling over this interior, which is insecure and has all these other problems that you would have when you're creating art, which is probably the main thing that works in tandem with the dynamic of Crips and Day-Lewis, and they just sort of kind of juggle each other. One becomes more prevalent, and the other becomes more prevalent, and they just sort of balance them out together and it's it's quite mesmerizing actually it's also very interesting for me that the focus of artistic brilliance in this film is dressmaking. And it's dressmaking that's made to be pretty clear is soon becoming out of touch, out of style. So there's a lot of tweaks to these traditional narratives that we're finding about artists, muse relationships, in that this artist is someone who, while very good, their craft is doing a craft that most won't consider very important or meaningful, who's also on the verge of becoming irrelevant. on to our final thoughts. Elliot, what did you think? So I really enjoyed this film. Of course, Daniel Day-Lewis is amazing, like he always is. Even when he's playing really corny characters, he's fun and really gets into the role. Vicky Kreps, I really am excited to see her in future films because one, I don't know of any other actresses from Luxembourg, actors or actresses from Luxembourg. I don't really know much about Luxembourg, but I think that she's a hell of an actress and I'm really excited about what she does in the future. I don't know about any upcoming projects. I'm sure she has them. Leslie Manville was good in her role. I'm surprised that she's getting all this award recognition, both in the United Kingdom and in the United States, because, I mean, she's the third major character in the film, but she didn't really stick out to me, I don't think. Of course, the, the music and cinematography were great and worked very well in tandem to create this sort of measured, contained period drama that really allows us to focus on the characters rather than these 
grand sets, even though the sets, the costuming are all great. It's very character-driven in a really cool way. Now, for the future of Paul Thomas Anderson, I kind of hope that he continues to focus on these kinds of movies, because I don't know how many more Magnolias I can really see in one lifetime. Well, hopefully the Tiffany Haddish, Timothy Chalamet rom-com he's coming up will be great. Look, I'm so excited if he's working with Timothy Chalamet and Tiffany Haddish on a comedy because, ah, just to see what Paul Thomas Anderson does with a comedy and with Tiffany Haddish, who's known for very broad comedy. It's gonna be amazing and I look forward to it. But back to Phantom Thread, it's a really good twisted film. I'm glad it got recognition at the Oscars and at some of the critics associations. I highly recommend it to really anybody who loves Daniel Day-Lewis, anybody who loves Paul Thomas Anderson, even the sort of crowd that loves the costume drama like Merchant Ivory did in the 80s and 90s, I, I think would enjoy this film even if it is a little more twisted than they're used to. Marco, what, what did you think about this film? I think this film yet again proves that Paul Thomas Anderson is one of our masters of tone in filmmaking. He is a master of capturing both tension and claustrophobia while also managing to make it hilarious too. Daniel Day-Lewis is as great as he always is. Vicky Kreps is a standout, hopefully a future star one day. And the quality is what you'd expect from a Paul Thomas Anderson film in 20. I really recommend it. I loved it. And I would recommend this to Paul Thomas Anderson fans, fans of the art of filmmaking in and of itself, and also just fans of period pieces that are a bit more twisted than The Darkest Hour. Oh, we're going to throw in a dig at The Darkest Hour here. Throwing down! All right, Marcus, what did you think? All right, look, guys, it looks great, sounds great, acting's good, narrative is complex and interesting. Yeah, that should be all you need. Go watch it. Yay. All right, this has been Fresh Films from North by Northwestern Audio. I'm Marco Carlano. I'm Elliot Kronsberg. And I'm Marcus Galliano. Catch us online at northbynorthwestern.com and on Apple Podcasts. This has been Fresh Films. See ya. Bye. I'm looking for trouble. Stop.